Girlfriends, episode number 96, Getting Ready for Advent with Sterling Jakewith. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking with special guest Sterling Jakewith on how to avoid the crazies this Advent season. I can't wait to start. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Welcome to another show. Welcome to another week. I hope your week is starting out well. Mine is starting out a little groggy early this Monday morning because it's my own fault. Well, all right. It's my husband's fault, too. We've been staying up late watching Stranger Things. Have you watched that show? It's so creepy and weird and different and yet really well done. It's in its second season on Netflix. If you have Netflix, it's totally free. Um, Anyway, I heard a little bit about it when it first came out. There was some buzz about it and some people I knew were totally addicted to it. And I just kind of ignored it. And for some reason, we turned it on, I guess because their second season is now um, showing and... uh. You can, you know, you hear about it on blogs, you see it on Facebook, it's everywhere. So um, I think there are eight episodes in this second season. Anyway, we're just beginning the second season and I counted up the episodes because I know I'm going to be devastated when it's done. Um, so anyway, staying up a little too late, uh, possibly doing that, but it's been fun. I always like it when we find a new show to watch together. If you have recommendations, maybe that's something we could share here on Girlfriends because if you have recommendations about what kind of shows you like to watch as a family or what kind of shows you like to kind of binge watch either on your own or as a couple, I always like those kinds of recommendations. Dan and I really enjoy watching shows together. Um, one recent show that I got into, but I was watching it completely on my own, was This Is Us. And I don't usually watch television on my own. I just don't. Um, but somebody recommended it to me and I checked out the first episode when I was alone uh, traveling. And I knew immediately that I liked this show, but that Dan wouldn't like this show. It's it's very emotional. <laughs> you end up sobbing every episode. Anyway, um, so I've been watching that here and there when I watch a show, when I do my nails or something, um, and I'm not watching with Dan. But if you have other shows that you've been enjoying, I'd love to share them on a future episode. Uh, you can email them to me or leave me some voice feedback about what your favorite shows are to watch by yourself or on Netflix or with friends or with your family or with your husband. Um, I think it's kind of fun to have shows like that in common. Anyway, shows are not our topic this week. This week, we are talking about getting ready for Advent. Can you feel it, ladies? It's in the air. It's uh, going on late November. And here we go. I took a deep breath yesterday at Mass because I was looking at the dates for upcoming masses and the priest was talking about the particular dates of masses on Christmas Eve because Christmas Eve is a Sunday this year, if I'm getting that right. Yeah. And so there's mass in the morning for that Sunday and then there's mass that evening, which is Christmas mass. And he was kind of explaining how all of that's going to work. And anyway, looking at those dates, I just thought, oh my gosh, I think it's an extraordinarily short advent this year. Really short. <laughs> So, um, and you know, I, you always just think, oh, I have four weeks of Advent. Well, no, it's really, it's really much tighter than that sometimes. And there's so much that we like to get done and we get so busy. And so I thought this is a great time to have Sterling Jake with on the show because she's written a whole book about how to not drive yourself insane 
at Christmas time, getting ready for Advent. Actually, she has a number of books. And her advice to women is just really down to earth and, you know, in a, a very friend to friend kind of way. I really appreciate her style, her way of sharing. Um, If you're not familiar with Sterling, she's the host of the Coffee and Pearls podcast for Catholic women. It's just 15 minutes each time. Really nice little show, a nice way to kind of get a little dose of wisdom in your day. So you'll want to check that out. But in the meantime, I, I'm looking forward to sharing this recent conversation with you to get us all ready to put ourselves in the right frame of mind going into this year's crazy Advent season. I hope you'll enjoy it too. Take a listen. everyone. I am super excited to have a special guest here with me today on Girlfriend Sterling Jakewith is joining us. Sterling Jakewith is an adult convert. She's a Catholic author and speaker and helps teach women how to become saints. Oh, that's no small thing. She is the host of Coffee and Pearls, a podcast that's simply 15 minutes of wisdom for Catholic moms. She has published three books and all of them are available on Amazon. Welcome, Sterling. I'm so glad you're here on Girlfriend's. Hi, Danielle. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm thrilled to finally reconnect with you after, you know, years ago, we connected um, through the conference that you run. Are you still doing that conference out in Oregon? You know, I actually moved to Boise, Idaho two years ago. So I do drive back for the conference. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I had taken it over from Heather Renshaw right. uh, of realcatholicmom.com when she moved to Georgia. And then just as I was getting ready to move to Boise, she moved back. So it was just wonderful <laughs> that we kind of just passed the baton back and forth. Um, and then she was able to dive in and take it over again. So it's still going strong in Portland. I love it. Yeah, that's great. And I, you, you are two awesome women of faith. So... Uh, um, definitely check out that conference if you're on the West Coast. It's definitely worth your time to uh, hang out with those awesome ladies once a year. So anyway, but we're here to talk today about Advent. Okay, yeah, here it is. It's in our face again. We got to get ready to get ready for Jesus. That's what I always find myself doing this time of year. <laughs> yeah. um, but so tell us about you. You've got three different books that are on Amazon. You can briefly tell us about all of them. But then let's let's focus in on the one that's about Advent. Yeah, the biggest one that I wrote was Catholic Mom Challenge, which was a little bit about how I became Catholic. I'm an adult convert. And, you know, there was no guidebook for how to be a Catholic mom. Yours was actually one of the first books that I purchased mm -hmm. um, and read. And I thought, oh, that's great. And I, I had at that time been struggling with how to manage my time. Yep. And so I had read... Um, a, a, a mother's rule to life, right? Holly yes. book. And I love that book, but I only had one kid when I read that. So a lot of it felt like it didn't apply to me because I didn't have the basket full of children yet. Right. Right. And so anyway, Catholic mom challenges more of a systematic, here's how you can organize your day and your year. And I really drew a lot on uh, a lot of the business books that I had read. I, you know, my backgrounds in finance and writing business plans. And I kept reading these books like, wow, this could apply to moms, but moms aren't reading these books. So right. that's what Catholic mom challenge is about. That was my first one. Mm -hmm. And then last year I launched be Mary because man, the holidays are just rough for me. I, I just grew up with a single mom and it wasn't the best time of year. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think when you fall in love with Jesus, you expect that it's going to be a wonderful time of year. And so I had this conflict over, I want it to feel special, but I mostly just feel anxious and depressed. And so I just kind of set out to fix that problem. And all of the research that I did went into that particular book. And then the mm -hmm. last one I just released a couple months ago was um, Not of This World, A Catholic Guide to Minimalism. And that one just blew up way more than I expected wow. it to. Wow. 
Yeah, I guess minimalism has been on the hearts of a lot of people. Sure. Um, but, you know, I think the problem with minimalism books is they kind of assume you have zero to two kids and live in a condo. Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And so for all of us with big families or homeschooling families, you know, those particular issues aren't addressed. So that's what I wrote that book about. It was like minimalism for the rest of us. Nice. <laughs> Nice. I love it. That's great. Okay. Well, now circling back to what, what's the name of your Advent book? It's Be Merry. It's, yeah. Be Merry, How to Advent Without Losing Your Mind. And uh, I, like I like that catchy subtitle, but the truth <laughs> is it's really, it's really about any holiday gathering. It's just about how to, how to figure out, you know, Easter, Thanksgiving, if you have a huge 4th of July party, it's really just tools for dealing with getting together with your family and just controlling all of the emotions that kind of bubble up around those experiences. Yeah. And I, I so appreciate that because that was something that kind of blindsided me when I was a young wife and mom was oh. how rife with emotions and stress those occasions were. I didn't even realize how much I was piling into those moments and how my how what my expectations were unspoken expectations inside of my yeah. marriage inside of my motherhood what I was going to do and it was all it was major stress ball you know I look back and I can laugh at myself but uh, <laughs> it was real to me then and I know it's real to a lot of young moms that are just figuring that out now that you know how do you focus on you know we all want to focus on oh let's I want to have a simple Christmas right right well, <laughs> Uh, we all want a simple Christmas and we all want a beautiful holy advent that's not distracted by materialism. But, you know, we, we're we living in the w real world and it, all these stressors are coming. So maybe you can start out with just what, what kind of approach do you recommend for a mom who might be there this advent, you know, in her young married life in or maybe she's done this a few times and is sick to death of the stress ball that advent turns out to be. Where should someone like that start? Yeah, I, you know. I think I could sum up every single chapter by just renaming it expectation management. You know? <laughs> so true. I think, you know, people have different expectations. One of my friends, she has, I think, like 20 beautiful um, nativity sets. And it's so meaningful for her to take them all out and to place them around her home. It looks almost like a, a museum dedicated to nativity sets. And I see that it's a lot of work, but it brings her so much joy. Mm -hmm. um, and so for her, that's what Christmas, that's important to her. Mm -hmm. She has the expectation that she's going to do this and she enjoys it. Whereas other people might walk into a home like that and think, oh, should I be feeling like that? Should I do decorations like that? And mm -hmm. we get really caught up in our shoulds. And right. I think really the whole book is about figuring out, you know, what are you doing because you think you should be doing it versus what's actually important to you. Right. Yeah, that's so important. And, you know, I know that this translates into marriages as well. That was something that I found um, uniquely stressful in my marriage was managing those unspoken expectations of one another inside of those holiday moments. Like you just kind of have all these assumptions that things are going to go the way they did when you were a kid <laughs> and, and you had two different childhoods. So that can be a recipe for conflict. What's been your experience with that? Well, I, that's why my, the very first chapter uh, when I dive into the tools is about marriage, because I think that that is the most important aspect to kind of get right. And those expectations are the most important to manage. I talk about our first Christmas um, and we just never talked about that before Christmas Day. So we woke up and, you know, come to find out my husband had a very relaxed kind of country 
like Christmas where everyone got together and hung out for three days. They actually spent the night at at their grandparents' house and it was just really relaxed and, and casual. And my, my Christmas was where you dressed up in your finest clothes and it was a very formal affair at my grandmother's house. We weren't religious, so we didn't even go to church, but we would put on like our nicest clothes and she had Mm -hmm. these beautiful, um, Waterford crystal goblets that she would bring out just for oh my gosh, <laughs> just to give you an idea of like the level of, of fanciness. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, she was definitely of the children should be seen and not heard kind of variety. And mm-hmm. so, you know, Christmas was not fun for me, yeah. um, but we kind of did it. So when we got married, we lived near my family and not his family. And so it was a big clash from the very first Christmas of, you know, me kind of expecting that he would wear a suit and and do the dance for my grandmother. And he kind of thought, well, I don't want to do that. And mm-hmm. that's a really difficult thing to open up on Christmas morning. Right, right. Yeah. So it it's important then, I think, to talk about these things beforehand, which is great that we're doing this, this topic now, even before Advent. So people can kind of be proactive inside of their own plans, but then maybe having an important conversation with your husband. What, what do you recommend for people who maybe find themselves in those conflict moments, even miserably in a conflict moment in a social occasion with other people around? I mean, that's, that's a nightmare. And I think we've all experienced it. Absolutely. You know, I think there's two things people can do. One, I think right now, in November, you need to sit down with your husband and just say, hey, what are your expectations for every single event that we're going to go to? You know, find out what's important to him and what's important to you, because that list is different. And you may be married for five years and have not actually said those words out loud. I mean, I I have an idea of what we do for the holidays, uh, but it wasn't until I sat down and actually asked my husband, hey, you know, what things could we cut out because you don't care about them versus what things are really, really meaningful and important to you that you perhaps are bringing from your childhood. So just having that conversation will help you you know, head off those problems before they begin. But the second thing, and I think this is crucial that I think people should do is what I call operation code word, which is that you should come up with a word that you and your husband can use at any major event, whether you're out somewhere or whether you're hosting the event that means, Hey, something is going on and I need to talk to you privately because I think you're right. We've all had those moments where we're caught in public and we're feeling frustrated with our spouse And it can be so easy to be snippy or to cut them down or to be a little sarcastic or to just be flat out rude, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and and that's so inappropriate. It's it's so uncomfortable. I mean, we've been around other couples who have done that. Um, And by having a code word, it just kind of allows you to say, I love you. I respect you. I'm not going to say something inappropriate right now in front of these people. Can you come talk to me privately for a minute? Oh, that's a great idea. Because sometimes that's all you need is that time out to say what's going on, not make those assumptions about each other, not leap to bad conclusions about each other's motivations. And um, so that's a great communication tool. Um, what do you recommend for code words that wouldn't s- sound too awkward? Yeah, we usually use hallway because there always is a hallway. And okay. so- you know, I'll just say, hey, can I speak to you in the hallway for a second? And that's not actually, you don't naturally say that. We right. normally just say, can I speak with you? And so when I throw in the word hallway there, it just means, hey, I need to let you know something. And and my husband and I use it enough that we know it's not always something grave. Like sometimes it's just a simple question mm-hmm. um, that we have. And so it's not, 
it's, it's not a death trap, right? Like when he right. says that, I'm not like, oh no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, you you know, might just have spinach in your teeth. Right. Or like maybe, <laughs> maybe the baby has, has poop in her diaper and he needs help or just something, you know? Um, and so it's, it's just a, but it makes you feel safe. And that's, that's my goal for this book is that we walk around in November and December at our highest levels of anxiety. Right. Like we're just so nervous all the time that we're, we forgot something that something's going to go wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. and our emotions are so charged. And so all of the tools that I recommend are just ways to try to avoid that. And so by walking into an event, instead of thinking like, Oh, he's going to want to leave sooner than I am. And we're going to squabble because we normally do. Um, you know, having this word just empowers you both Mm -hmm. to feel safe with each other. Yeah. And I love that part of the meaning is I love you. I respect you. I'm not going to do something bad to you in front of all these people. (laughs) I think it's such an important thing to communicate to each other, whether you use the word hallway or something else, but having, having those conversations outside of those moments of conflict, I, I think that's such wise advice, Sterling. I really appreciate that. Well, and, and let's be honest. I mean, we, I came up with all of these things because I crashed and burned hard. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's really common, especially in those early years, you know, where you, did you live by both sets of, of family? Oh, yours? yes. Yeah. We had that, that conflict too, having to figure out like going to two Thanksgivings and wanting right. to host my own at the same time. Like, how does that work? And yeah. And I, I found that in our early marriage, we didn't naturally talk about those things. Like I said, it's all about expectations. I'm like, well, duh, it's Thanksgiving. Of course, we're going to do this, you know, of course, it's going to go exactly this way. And, you know, and that applies to everything else inside of marriage, too. Like, who's going to do what chores or how, you know, certain things are going to get done and how different traditions are observed and all of that. I think it's but especially it comes to a head. Like you said, we're walking around like ticking time bombs during Advent. Like it it could take the slightest thing to just set you off because you're just feeling these pressures from mostly from ourselves. I have learned over the years, but from other sources too. So definitely important to have that code word going into the holiday season with your spouse. Okay. But how about another situation that is rife (laughs) for conflict? Relatives. Oh my gosh, yeah. we, we love our families, but they can be so trying and they can be so different from us and they can be challenging. They can be rude. They can attack us for our faith or for our family decisions. How do you gracefully nav- navigate that? What advice do you have for us? Well, I mean, I think the first thing that I recommend is that you sit down before you head into those events and you just kind of make a list of all of the people and all of their what I like to call crosses. You know, we have people in our lives that maybe don't believe in Jesus. They're not Catholic. They live very differently from us. Maybe there's conflict. Maybe we, we parent very differently, whatever it is. I I tend to kind of take out a piece of paper and I'll write out all of that stuff, all of the things that, you know, I feel nervous about talking to them about. So I make this list and I just look at it. And the first thing I do is I just, I ask Mary to care for all of those people. Mm-hmm. I think when we step back and we, we see each other as eternal beings and as souls, it gives us the perspective of, it allows us to have more mercy and forgiveness for what they're going through. And mm-hmm. realizing that just like God uses our crosses to help us grow, he's doing that through them and maybe lots of crosses we don't even see. And so if you can have this moment about those people before you even see them and you give them to Mary and you say, Mary, I just want you to love and care for these people and and just intercede for them, then it it helps us come from a place of softness Mm 
mm-hmm. instead of a place of fists up, right? Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's so important to remember. And I love the idea of just prayerfully entering into these kinds of situations. And it doesn't mean that they're going to be different. I mean, I think that's the other thing that's important is that if your sister is going to play the my kids are better than your kids game this year, mm-hmm. or she normally does that, she's probably going to do that this year. Right. It's not going to be different, you know. So I think it's important to acknowledge that it's not going to be any different this year. Your broken family is going to be the same that they were last year. And (laughs) so I think it's, you know, when you're managing those expectations, it helps you to come from a place of strength Mm -hmm. um, when you know that you're, you're going to encounter those things. When we pretend that if we walk around eggshells and we don't bring up certain topics, uh, that everything's going to be fine. We're kind of scared the whole time because sure. we just are waiting for something to go wrong. But if we know that we're going to experience confrontation, it allows us to be a little bit more prepared. And so this is what I do. I decide ahead of time. I already know what they're going to say that's going to bother me. Mm-hmm. So you know, if somebody's going to challenge my decision to homeschool my children, I decide ahead of time, do I want to dig into that on Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. Or do I not? And we, I don't believe we always need to defend our choices at major holidays. So sometimes <laughs> Not always appropriate. Not yeah, always fruitful. Absolutely. And so my response, and I just prepare this ahead of time, is that I'll just say, oh, you know, I would love to talk with you about that, but maybe today isn't the best day. I'll shoot you an email tomorrow and we can have a conversation about that. Or if it's someone I'm, I talk on the phone with often, I'll say, you know, or I'll give you a call and let's dig into that next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's excellent advice. You don't have to do it at the Thanksgiving dinner table. You don't have to do it at the Christmas Eve dinner. No, and it neutralizes the situation, but it still shows that you care because mm-hmm. it's not defensive. And if you say it from a place of being calm, yeah. then I think they'll believe that you could talk about it. There's no reason to rise to the occasion of someone poking you, mm-hmm. um, especially if you only get to see these people a couple times a year. Right, right. And, and how about, do you think it's important to share your faith with family members? And how do you recommend you do that? I absolutely, I, although I will be honest, I think your family members are the hardest people to share your faith with. I mean, it would be easier <laughs> for me to grab someone off the street and talk to them about Jesus mm-hmm. uh, than it would be, you know, my brother who knows everything about me. And I feel like I'm the worst person in the world to bring him to Jesus, right? Because if someone's seen you picking his <laughs> nose, like they just, they don't take you seriously. So, right, right. you know, you have to decide what they need to hear. But what I find, especially for family members, is the best way to evangelize them is just to be kind Mm -hmm. to them and just to show them that you have a lot of peace because peace and true holiness is so attractive. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to use the word Jesus for them to notice that there is something different about you. Right. Yeah. Eventually, they'll come to go to they'll ask themselves, maybe it's that Catholic thing, you know, maybe, maybe it's their Catholicism that makes them calmer parents, better spouses. I mean, picture already you looking like you're a team with your spouse this year, and you being really comfortable with each other. That is what brought me to Christianity was a good marriage. And I thought, Mm -hmm. wow, those people have something different. I want what they have. And they didn't even have to use the word Jesus for me to kind of think what, you know, what is different about them? Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's a great, 
great point that you don't have to be preaching specifically about Jesus. It's such you can set a beautiful example. But that said, that can put a lot of pressure on you to be putting on this show, you know, where you're feeling like this is something I've certainly felt pressure with in my life. Like, oh, we can't we can't have, you know, a kid with chocolate smeared on his face or whatever it is, because (laughs) we're representative of happy Catholic family living. Like, you know, we can't have any flaws. Um, What advice do you have for people who are struggling with that idea of perfection in in their advent planning or in their events planning or whatever it is that's going on this Christmas? Yeah, well, you know, last week in Coffee and Pearls, I was just talking about Um, that idea that we think we have to present perfect Catholicism in order for people to be attracted to Catholicism. But, you know, when I was a Protestant, I don't know why, Danielle, but Protestants seem to be much more comfortable with talking about the struggle and talking about their brokenness. And Mm -hmm. so it was so much more common that I would hear people say, oh, I'm really struggling right now. Would you just pray for me? Or, you know, I've, I've just been taking this to prayer a lot. And so they didn't have this attitude that they had everything figured out. And they, they seemed to be more comfortable sharing what their challenges were. But at the end, they would always say, but I trust in God. He has a plan for me. I don't know what it is, but I'm, you know, I'm going to walk faithfully. And so that's what I try to do because first of all, you, if you have little kids, there, there's no way that you're going to look great <laughs> to the world, <laughs> uh, you know, because it's just hard and they're little real people with chocolate on their faces and tantrums at the wrong time. Right. Um, you know, but, but I think I would just address it and say, oh yeah, you know, parenting little kids is rough and, and I just couldn't do it without Jesus. And that's that's my way of acknowledging that we're broken and it looks messy, but that I trust that God is working, you know, through them and through me in this situation. Right. I love that. That's so important. It's so important to be real with each other. I think that people are, you know, they'll sniff out a phony from miles away. <laughs> people aren't yeah. dumb and there, there really is a, attractiveness about being real, about being honest, about being open. It doesn't mean you have to air your dirty laundry all the time, but just being really honest about what your challenges are because everyone has challenges. And I think we find that so refreshing when people are honest and humble in that way. Yeah. You know, I'm a big advocate for, um, you know, expecting obedience for my kids and we're pretty strict in our house. And so, you know, I'm not afraid to to parent them in public because they will make bad choices and I will parent them. Mm-hmm. But what I try to do, and this is true whether I'm home or out in public, is that I, I try not to do it out of anger. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's the thing where people go, whoa, um, wow, you just really lost your cool. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to use a stern voice. I'll use right. a stern voice in front of people and say, oh, you know, that was a bad choice. I need, I need you to go stand by the door for two minutes or whatever, whatever I'm issuing. Right. Um, I don't mind being uh, stern, but what I don't do is freak out and lose my cool because if we're doing that, that is indicative that perhaps our prayer life is not very strong or we're not walking with Jesus very closely in that moment. And so that's why I say we really evangelize through kindness mm-hmm. uh, because you can be kind even when you're disciplining your kids and even if they're being crazy monkeys, you know? Right, right. Sure. Yeah. I think that's an important point to make that, you know, that it, being honest about our, our shortcomings um, doesn't have to mean just uh, letting it all hang out and right. <laughs> being a jerk yeah. <laughs> or, or giving into your, your anger in those moments where you might be disciplining a child. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about envy because uh, 
the Advent season, Christmas season, there are all kinds of financial pressures. And I know I have done this. I have gone to like someone's beautiful party that they put on and I come away feeling miserable about myself, about my home, about the presents I'm planning for my kids. And I know it's dumb. I can know it's dumb, but <laughs> I still feel those feelings. Like why, if only, you know, and just feeling like you're coming up short. What advice do you have for moms who might be struggling with that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm not both my parents are gemologists, by the way. That's where I, where my name comes from. Um so they both went to gemology school. They can wow. Yeah, they can grade diamonds. They both um handmade beautiful jewelry for a long time. Um so my form of teenage rebellion was to say, I don't like jewelry at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's um, funny. Yeah, so I have it I have almost no jewelry. Um and I'm never so aware of that as around the holidays, because it's like all of a sudden we are expected to go to fancy parties. Mm-hmm. And then I walk in and I see these women with like beautiful earrings and necklaces and bracelets. And I think, oh, I should have been paying more attention you know, to my parents. <laughs> and, and I start to feel really inadequate, whereas for the whole rest of the year, I don't think about jewelry at all. Um, but there's something about the type of parties that we go to around the holidays. And I, I find myself being really envious. And, you know, my husband's an engineer. So the likelihood that he could walk into a store and pick out a beautiful piece of jewelry is really, really slim. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I feel envious of that as well. Like, oh, her husband bought him, bought her that, you know, and it's gorgeous. And who knows what the story is? She could have bought it for herself, right? But that's never what we tell ourselves. No, no, I know. We always, <laughs> <laughs> we assume such fancy things about other people's stories. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I think what I do, um, and this is, Daniel, probably one of my biggest struggles over the holidays is, is the envy thing. Cause I grew up as a poor kid. So it's just like, it's, it's really this little kid in me that lives and, and verbalizes, Oh, I'm, I'm never going to have that stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm never going to be able to afford that, whether it's true or not. And so what I found, and this is silly, um, is that I have found that that voice that comes to us when we're at the party that tells us our dress isn't pretty enough, or, you know, we're not thin enough or, Mm-hmm. Our decorations look terrible and hers are so beautiful. You know, that's not the voice of God. In no mm-hmm. way is that the voice of Jesus or any of the saints or your guardian angel. That's the devil. There's mm-hmm. a little demon that's saying that stuff to you. He's whispering this in your ear. And, and if you haven't read the, the screw tape letters, I highly recommend that because it really oh, yeah. home this this concept. I think you realize how sneaky these demons are. And so what I picture is that I have this little demon bug that is whispering this stuff in my ear and he's a nasty bug and he wants me to feel bad about myself and, and all the blessings that God has given me. He wants me to cover them with slime and ignore them and instead to, to covet what somebody else has. And so what I do is I actually take my two fingers, my corner finger and my thumb, and I, I squish, I squeeze them together like I'm squishing that little bug. And and here's what's amazingly powerful about mm-hmm. such a silly thing is that when we do something physical, it snaps us out of our thought life a little bit. So we're we're kind of going on this negative subconscious track of envy and feeling bad about ourselves. And when you pinch your fingers together, it just kind of snaps you out of it. Right. I think that's a great idea. Sometimes we need that physical connection to our thoughts, like to kind of make us switch our our line of thinking or just to remind ourselves of what's going on there. And I love that you refer to like the voices that we're choosing to listen to, because 
Um, it, I think it's important to think about things in terms of that. Like, where is this thought coming from? Is this from yes. God? Is, is this from God? <laughs> or is this from some other really bad place, like the Prince of Lies that is filling my head and, and hoping to pull me away from, um, you know, anything virtuous or, or from my own sense of self-worth? And we, we get to choose. And that's what I find so empowering. And, and I love that you have this little physical reminder to yourself. <laughs> some people snap rubber bands on their wrists and whatever, right. but yep. it, it works, you know, and it's a physical way of kind of just clicking in your brain like whoops not going to do that not going to go there you know I know what that is and I'm going to reject it I think that's a great tip yeah absolutely you know we live in this modern world of relativism and, and the danger of that is we begin to believe that all of the thoughts that we have are true mm-hmm. and that's not true we we have feelings and thoughts that bubble up all the time and our job is to be the gatekeeper and to examine each one and to say well do I really believe that because the truth is if you gave me a thousand dollars right now and said, okay, go buy a bunch of beautiful glittering jewelry, I'd probably say, well, you know, in the end, I don't really value that. I value mm-hmm. other things and I would choose to buy something else. And so I can examine that thought, rationalize through it and realize, well, then it's not true. I'm not actually envious of that situation because it's not something that I value. And suddenly I feel so much more calm and grateful for the things that I do value and choose and have that God has given me. Absolutely. I love that. Just a little physical reminder to refocus on your own story, your own page, your own work. I think we always <laughs> need that. <laughs> All right. One more topic before we have to go here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about problems of anxiety and depression. Um, these are huge over the holiday season. And so many women struggle with these in varying degrees, you know, to the point where they need actual intervention and help. But um, some people just struggle with them on a, on a lesser level. And it's just a really tough time of year, a lot of emotions attached to it, a lot of memories attached to it. And so, Sterling, what advice would you have to share with a mom this season who might be, and I know some people out there are, facing the coming holiday season with almost a sense of dread because they know the kinds of emotions they're going to experience? Yeah, well, I think one of the biggest struggles that we have is that we, again, it's about expectation management. We expect that we should not feel anxious and depressed, and then that actually causes us to feel more anxious and depressed. Right. It's very circular. Sure. Um, And so I think the first thing is just to acknowledge, I feel anxious and depressed during the holidays. And if you go into it knowing that this is going to bubble up for you, then you can head it off by upping your prayer life. Mm-hmm. Um, in my book, I talk about the importance of breathing. We, we tend to take really shallow breaths all throughout the day, especially mom, moms of little kids because they're, they're living in a reactive state instead mm-hmm. of a proactive state. And so they forget to take a deep breath. And so if we can do that even 10 times a day, it's going to bring our anxiety levels down. Mm-hmm. Um, I also highly encourage people to step outside. Um, it's amazing how many days I can go without going outside. Right. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Um, for those of us that are not runners, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I just say like step outside for three minutes. You know, I know that recently I just had my fourth baby and I took all four kids to the park and within seven minutes, three of the four were crying and it was this horrible <laughs> experience. And I was like, why, why did we go to the park? Right. Um, 
And so it doesn't have to be that, right? Like you don't have to pack three days worth of food and like hike out somewhere. Um, but you can just walk out of your front door and, and lift your face up to the sky. Even if you live in the East Coast and it's freezing already, right. um, you can do that for three minutes. And we, we just encounter God in nature, even yeah. if you live in the city, he's there. And if you can just take those small pockets, those tiny moments and just reconnect with him, it's going to just empower you to deal with the other stuff more easily. So I think just, mm -hmm. you know, acknowledging that you struggle with those two things and taking it to Jesus that already would make a huge difference for most people. Right. I think that's great advice. And I, and I love that you shared about what your expectations are going in. Like, we're expecting that we should not ever feel those feelings during the right. holidays. It's all ho happy, happy, jolly, jolly, right? But if you can accept that, accept what your struggle is, and also, please know, it's a struggle for many people. Like, you're not alone in that, for sure. It's it's a tough time of year for many people. So, um, and I also love the simplicity of your advice. Deep breaths, absolutely. You know, yeah. it's very physically, it, it physically changes you inside of a few seconds to just pause and focus on your breathing, calm yourself down, and then going outside. I, I'm always telling people, just go outside. Like, yeah. just, <laughs> even if it's, even if it's a miserable trip to the park, you know, you, you switched up your, your environment for those, those yeah. seven minutes or whatever you, you breathe some fresh air and <laughs> you connected with your natural environment just a little bit and it's okay. You know, it's not always going to be some perfect outing, but just reconnecting with nature, I think can be very grounding when we're saying we want a simple advent. I really think that's what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I think make Christmas your own. Um, somebody in my uh, workshop yesterday was just mentioning, oh, you know, Christmas is my husband's favorite time of year, and he wants to go all out. And she said, but I keep hearing everybody say I want a simple Christmas and a simple Advent. And so I feel really conflicted about that. And I just asked her, I said, well, is it okay with you that your husband has big, crazy Christmas? And she said, yeah. I said, you know, does it stress you out? Do you have the money to handle everything that he chooses to do? She said, yeah, if that's fine. I said, then that's fine. Then yeah. your family is going to do big, crazy Christmas, and that's okay. So some people may not may not want simple Advent and simple Christmas, and that's okay. But I, I always want to challenge people to just be honest with themselves about what they want and then to make that happen. Absolutely. Such great advice. All right, Sterling, can you remind us where people can find your book if they want to check out your Advent book on Amazon? Absolutely. I'm pretty sure I'm the only Sterling Jigwith on the planet. So it's not hard <laughs> to find anything that I do. So if you just type my name into Amazon, you'll find all three of those books. Um, and then my website is just sterlingjigwith.com. And, uh, and then my podcast is Co Coffee and Pearls. And you can get that through any kind of podcast app like most people do. Awesome. And we'll have all of those linked up in the show notes for this episode at daniellebean.com. Sterling, thank you for taking the time to share with us today. And God bless you this Advent. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and for just helping people through this time because it is a difficult time for most of us. And so I just pray extra hard for Catholics, especially during the holidays. Right. And we here at Girlfriends will be praying right along with you. Thanks so much for today. Thank you. Hey, do you like what we do here? Do you appreciate having access to Girlfriends every single week? Is it helpful or encouraging to you in your everyday life? Well, if so, there's a convenient way that you can say thank you for the Girlfriends podcast and encourage me to continue to record it. 
Patreon is a simple system that allows you to pledge your support for this podcast, show your appreciation, and encourage its production every week. At patreon.com forward slash girlfriends, you can make a pledge in any amount. Even just $1 per episode makes a real difference and is a simple way to show your appreciation. I want to thank those of you who already do support the podcast through Patreon. And if you would like to show your support too, please go to patreon.com forward slash girlfriends to find out more. Thank you so much. I also want to be sure to thank Ascension Press for partnering with me to bring you this podcast every week. You can check out all of their podcasts and other awesome Catholic media that will entertain, inspire you, and educate you about your faith at ascensionpress.com. Click on the channels tab. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sterling, and it's putting you in the right frame of mind to get ready to get ready this Advent season. Here we go, ladies. We're in this together, right? We can do this. Okay, it's time to share a little bit of feedback. Um, The first is an email that I received from listener Kim. Kim says, Dear Danielle, thanks for another fantastic podcast. Worry is definitely one thing that gets in my way. Now, this is um, referring to last week's episode about things that get in the way of us accomplishing our goals, and worry was one of them. Um, Worry is definitely one thing that gets in my way, especially that constant run through of things in my head. I also especially wanted to respond to your point about people trusting in you. I talked at the end of the show about the privilege that it is that people trust in me with their their thoughts and their worries and their cares and the ups and downs of their life. I really do consider that a privilege. She said, I had this experience the other day. I was feeling guilty again about the idea of doing something for myself because of my belief that Jesus said we always have to serve others and die to ourselves, etc. Then I remembered your podcast about <clears throat> making time for yourself and went back to listen to it again. I had trust that you wouldn't lead us astray, so I had confidence to follow your advice. I am also taking your advice about offering it up, something I often forget to do during my husband's current health crisis. I kind of feel, without presuming God's will, of course, that I can offer my suffering as a sacrifice for my husband's hopeful healing. And of course, I'd love it if you'd pray for him too. Thanks again, and God bless Kim. Well, girlfriends, we've got someone new to pray for here. We're going to pray for Kim's husband, who's experiencing um, some kind of a health crisis. And Kim's working on offering it up, and there are many things we can offer up too um, for that intention of healing for Kim's husband. But Kim, I I want to address that um, you went back and listened to kind of give yourself a pep talk talk to do something for yourself. I love that. And I'm so honored that you give me that place in your life in that position of authority. It's something I don't take lightly. And I, I, you're right. I hope to never lead people astray. I always say a prayer to the Holy Spirit before I do speaking of any kind, including recording this podcast in the hope that I will not lead people astray. And I always want to speak the truth and, and lead people um, to better themselves and better serve their families and serve God. So that really is all about what I am doing here. So I really appreciate that feedback and we will add your husband to our prayer intentions here at Girlfriends. Okay, next up I have a email question from listener Natalie. I already answered Natalie by email, but I wanted to share her email with you all because I think it's a topic that many of us experience. It's a kind of um anxiety that many of us experience in hosting other people. So Natalie wrote to me, Hi, Danielle, I've been listening to Girlfriends since the beginning, and it keeps getting better and better. Thank you for the positive and encouraging podcast each week. I often think back to your episode about finding ways to pray throughout the day, which has helped me a great deal. Question. Next week, I am hosting a group of moms from my church for a get together. We plan to host a book we have read. I don't have to lead the discussion, but I'm freaking out a little because this is the first time I've had a group like this in my home. 
Some of them are acquaintances, but some I do not really know. What do you think is the most important thing to focus on as I'm preparing? When I know that I will have guests, I tend to go over the top with cleaning and making everything perfect. Yet I know that's not realistic, especially being a mom of four with two youngest at home with me during the day. Your words of wisdom would be appreciated. Uh, Natalie also added a book recommendation, uh, a novel I just finished reading. It's called Caroline Little House Revisited by Sarah Miller. I recall you mentioning on the podcast, the character of Ma from the Little House books. This book is from her point of view, and I think it's a great read for any woman, but especially moms and or fans of Little House books. Have a good night and God bless you, Natalie. Thank you, Natalie. I already, um, as I shared with you, I already responded to Natalie because it was kind of time sensitive. She, her event was coming up soon, but I wanted to touch on this topic a little bit here and share her email with you because this is something that I think we all kind of struggle with this idea of wanting to have these connections with other women and yet struggling with that idea of feeling like you have to put on a show, your house has to be perfect, feeling like you're comparing yourself to other women, or there's some kind of competition going on. And what I encouraged Natalie to do was really just focus on, I mean, of course, you want your house in decent shape, and you're going to worry a little bit about what what food you're going to serve or whatever that, you know, that's normal, but only to a certain degree. And really, I, I encouraged her and I encourage you if you're ever hosting an event to just pray beforehand to really meet the hearts of your guests, really serve their needs emotionally in a spiritual way, especially with a group like this that's coming together to discuss a book um, that's, you know, you share your faith together. I think that people, they're never going to, you know, be (laughs) over the moon about what you possibly serve or whatever. They're not going to be impressed with that. Um, It's really more about how you're going to make them feel. Are you going to make them feel welcomed? Are you going to make them feel listened to? Are you going to make them feel like you care deeply about them and you want to get to know them better? Are you going to make them feel heard? I I think that's such an important thing. And people, they don't forget the moments and the opportunities and the events where that sort of sharing and connection took place. So whether you're hosting an event in your home or you're putting on something at your parish or you're bringing women together for whatever reason, even if it's purely social, I think it's important to focus on being a welcoming hostess. You know, don't be that Mary who's fussing so much over the pots and pans and the roast in the oven that she forgets that Jesus is standing in her living room. When you have guests over, Jesus is standing in your living room. Okay. So really, I know it's very tempting to stress, and I do it too, and to want everything to be perfect. But, you know, pray beforehand for the grace to let go of that, at least to some extent, and really truly focus on meeting the people who you are welcoming into your home and truly connecting with them and making them feel welcomed. Thank you, Natalie. And thank you for that book recommendation. I'm going to check it out. I am a fan of all things Little House, and I had not heard of that one. So definitely going to be looking for that at my library. All right, next up, we have another email from Megan who says, Hi, Danielle. I recently started listening to your podcast while at work, and I love it. Each episode, I find at least one small nugget of very helpful practical advice that I can start using right away. I am in a pretty unique situation. I am a working mom. We have five kids under five and all daughters, and my husband is a stay-at-home dad. While we are Catholic and both our families are as well, we don't have many Catholic friends that can share advice, so thank you. I had a wonderful aha moment today while listening to your Offered Up show. The idea of offering up all the interruptions of my day, especially having so many kids interrupting me all the time, was so eye-opening. I try to offer a lot of things up already, but that idea had never even crossed my mind. That is also extremely helpful to me in trying to be a more patient 
patient and kind mother. I feel like I'm always losing my patience and just getting irritated at the small annoyances of the day. Like you said, it's always mom, 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 mom. Well, duh, I can offer up all these millions of little interruptions each day and help get my family to heaven. I just need to ask God for the grace to patiently bear it. I also wanted to add that your show on how to support your husband in hard times was very useful to me, as well as the ones on communication. We've only been married six years, but we were both older when we got married and more set in our ways. I just didn't understand how my husband would retreat inside himself while processing things. And I would keep asking, what's the matter? What's the matter? Actually making it worse. I have finally learned to just chill out and let him come to me when he's ready and we get along so much better. Anyway, thank you for putting together such a great podcast and creating a community for those of us who don't have a big Catholic community in real life. I very much appreciate it. Megan. Well, thank you, Megan, for that feedback and that encouragement. I'm so glad that you found something useful inside of that Offered Up podcast. Sometimes you just need somebody else's perspective to help you to realize these great things, these great opportunities you have for offering things up already in your everyday life. It's so true. You do not have to go looking for crosses. They come to you. And more often than not, it's saying mom, <laughs> that constant interruption. So great. I'm, I'm glad you're able to kind of shift your perspective on that. And then about the communication in your marriage, I'm thrilled to hear that because hearing that you've been married six years and you've got five girls, five and under, that's a stressful thing. That's a hugely stressful thing. So communication is very important inside of your marriage, Megan. So I, I think it's wonderful that you're making it a priority and that you're seeking to understand your husband's way of communicating more because I find that that's really the most fruitful thing. Find out the ways that you tend to communicate and prefer to communicate. Find out the ways that he tends to communicate and prefers to communicate. And the more you can learn about that, uh, you know, even if it's different from other couples, the more you can learn about your own unique temperaments and preferences and tendencies, the more healthy your communication is going to be in your relationship. So I think that's wonderful, Megan. And thank you for sharing all that inspiration about offering it up. Hey, Danielle, it's Melissa in Indiana. Um, I hope this finds you doing well. Um, great podcast. Um, listen to it today. I don't know, sometimes I'm a couple days behind, but um, you know, you were talking about saying no to things and you said that, um, um, you know, sometimes if you say yes to something that you really don't want to do, then you end up, you know, you, then you can't say yes to something that you really want to do. And I was at a, um, like a little conference recently. I do net, network marketing on the side and we had a fall retreat and they kind of spun it in a different direction that sometimes if you say yes to something that you don't really want to do, sometimes you're denying somebody else the opportunity to, to do that. Um, and I thought that was just an interesting take on it. And it's sometimes you don't think of it, you know, you know, on the other side of it. So it's always okay. It's, it's, so if you want to say no, just say no, because there's somebody else that wants out there that wants to do whatever it is that that other person is doing for you or asking you to do. Cub Scouts, school, 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 right? Like a hundred things at school, music boosters and all that stuff. So I just thought I would share that. And um, thanks again for the podcast. I hope you're doing well. Um, take care. Thank you, Melissa, for sharing that Voxer. Melissa left her voicemail through the cool little app 
called Voxer. If you'd like to share voicemail feedback in that way, you can go to the show notes at daniellebean.com. There's always a link to connect with me on Voxer, which is a really fun app. You just download it on your phone and it you use it like a walkie-talkie. You can just record voice memos and connect with all your friends and family that way, including the Girlfriends Podcast. So thank you for sharing those thoughts, Melissa. I like that. I like that way of looking at the opportunity that you're being presented with when you don't want it and you're hesitant to say no because you feel guilty or obligated or whatever, but to switch your thinking around so that if you're saying yes to something that you don't want to do and that maybe you shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be saying yes to, that you're denying somebody else the opportunity to do that thing. And there may be somebody who truly does want to do that thing or truly would benefit from doing that thing, whatever it is. Um, So I think that's a very helpful perspective, a great way to look at it, because sometimes we tend to think we're just being purely selfish when we're saying no to something, even if we know it's an overcommitment on our part and it's going to cost us personally or cost our families out of guilt. Sometimes we say yes, but maybe it's selfish to say yes and take away opportunities from other people. I love that. Very helpful. Thank you as always for sharing and leaving your Vox or Melissa. I appreciate it. Okay, two more quick emails, um, especially about prayer. Sue wrote to me, Danielle, I first learned of your ministry about 17 years ago. Oh my gosh, am I that old? Through a link on the Poor Claire website called by Joy. Yes, I used to be included on Sister Pat's emails that went out every day. Um, Anyway, Sue says, I love your podcast. I love your honesty and the sharing that you do. I'm in awe over all the things you do. God has truly blessed you with a marvelous gift. Thank you for the podcast. They are so encouraging and I look forward to them every week. Please know that this girlfriend has put you on her daily rosary intent prayer list that God will continue to inspire you and give you strength to continue with all that you do with love and gratitude. Sue from Winston-Salem. Thank you, Sue. I, I was really touched by this because it really helped to emphasize for me, underscore the fact that we are a prayer community. We are a community of prayer here at Girlfriends. We can truly connect in a very real way. I talked in the past about the communion of saints and how we can all encourage and support each other. And that's a wonderful way that we can prayerfully support each other. And I'm just so touched that you would add me to your daily rosary intentions and I will take it. I will take all the graces I can get and all the prayers I can get. I'm so grateful to you for sharing that with me, Sue. So thank you. God bless you for that. And a last little note on prayer comes from listener Teresa, who emailed me. Hi, Danielle. First of all, thank you so much for your podcast. I thoroughly enjoy it. I just wanted to share with you one little prayer that I like to say throughout my day, and it is the spiritual communion prayer. It's in Vinnie Flynn's talk called Seven Secrets of the Eucharist. I highly recommend you listen to it when you can. He mentioned the mentions the grace received from saying this prayer is equivalent to that when receiving the Holy Eucharist. Thanks, Teresa. Well, I am familiar with that prayer, but I'm going to post it in the show notes at daniellebean.com for anybody who's not, that they can check it out. A wonderful way to pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart, even when you're not able to physically receive Holy Communion. So thank you, Teresa, for that reminder and that prayerful inspiration. And on that note of prayerful inspiration, we're going to close up for the week. I want to thank you for being here. I truly mean it. We are a community here. We can pray for one another. Let's hold each other in prayer in the coming week as we go about our daily duties, as we do our offering it up, as we struggle in our prayer lives, as we work to support our husbands and communicate in our marriages and care for our children, do all the work that God places in front of us 
every day. Let's pray for each other in the coming week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy.